We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Nolan Riley, and Mark Corby joined by special guest Luke Edwards to talk about Newcastle United's massive win against Southampton in James's Park yesterday. And we're going to talk about much more than that in the wider context. Uh, first of all, Luke, thank you for joining us. How are you, mate? Absolute pleasure. You know, I love doing these podcasts. Roughly every ten games, we can get a, a roundup of how things are going. Uh, I'm good. I enjoyed yesterday. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was. Um, it's a bit one of those ones where I kind of pine for the fans being in, I have to say. Um, but um, no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I'm fine. I've given up my free time to spend some time with some lovely people from True Faith. Well, very grateful, as I'm sure the listeners are. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, first of all, we'll ju- ju- just to kick things off, Luke, you you, um, you know, you, you, you are a notable social media presence amongst mm. Newcastle fans, and, and you tweeted last night you were looking forward to getting stuck into us, the True Faith podcast, lads, but I'll give you the floor. You can host this part. Come come up, come at me, but, you know, we're friends, but, you know, I know I know Norman and Mark are keen for you to come at them hard. Um, so what do you want to say? What do you want to get off your chest, Luke? I think um, the one thing I, that has annoyed me, which I think you can probably tell from my social media reaction, uh, some of my responses are always tongue in cheek, but um, the attitude towards Graham Jones coming in and this idea that he is now the manager and is calling the shots is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard in 21 years of covering professional football. <laughs> I have never, ever, ever at any club I've covered or read about in those two decades, which goes back probably more than that in terms of being a football fan, I have never heard a coach be credited with uh, a team's performances. Now, that's not to say that Graham Jones' arrival hasn't been important, but as I've written in the Telegraph, it was Bruce's decision to bring him in um, and actually recognising your weaknesses um, as a leader is actually a sign of strength. And he wanted somebody on the training ground to help with this changing style, changing tactics to get them higher up the pitch. I'd known for a while, at least probably since November, um, before the start of November, so before the coronavirus, that they were looking at bringing somebody in. Um, so it wasn't a new idea. It was Bruce's decision. I think it was done with the support of the club. But look, Alex Ferguson changed coaches all the time. 
at Manchester United. It was how he stayed relevant. It's how he stayed up to date. It's how he was still managing when he was in his 70s um, because he had people who, who were on the training pitch every day working with the players and it allows the manager to focus on different elements of the job. So I just find it it shows how everything is viewed with negativity, negativity prism with Steve Bruce. So everybody's looking for something that, OK, they've played well over the four games, but rather than give that credit to the manager for a bring, making the decision to bring the coach in or implementing this new change of tactics, we or a certain section of people have to put all that credit to Graham Jones. I think of all the things that have happened, actually, since Bruce has been manager, I think that's the most disrespectful. I think it's ludicrous. I think it's stupid. And I think it just shows that some people are just never, ever, no matter what he does, are never, ever going to have Steve Bruce. And it's been like that for 19 months. People wonder why. I think I put out uh, a tweet about a month ago when people were explaining that, you know, I am friends with Steve Bruce. That doesn't mean I'm not critical. And I think a lot of people think that because they don't read what I write. I mean, my main job is to write for a newspaper. It's not to put out tweets, believe it or not. So probably what I write in a newspaper is far more critical what I say on, on Twitter. So there has been real cause for concern this season. There really has. They had that awful, awful run. I think I described it as end of day stuff against Sheffield United. I think it was. Maybe it was Aston Villa. I can't remember. So they have been really, really poor. They've had a terrible two and a half months. Um, and there were real concerns that I think we were heading to the point where Steve Bruce had had to go. And, I, and, I, and I'd said that. But, you know, he's turned it around. There have been four really encouraging performances in a row now. I think we're three and a half, second half against Leeds. Um, they should have beaten. They should have at least got a draw against Crystal Palace. I think they should have probably beaten Leeds personally and, and the number of shots they've had and chances created. So there has been an improvement. But then to, keep, to go back to my original point, for people to put there and say... Graham Jones is the manager or Steve Bruce has banished Graham Jones to the stands because he didn't like all the attention he got against Everton. It's just bollocks. It's complete and utter bollocks. Graham Jones asked to go and sit in the stands because that's where he wanted to watch the game. Uh, then you get pictures on social media of Graham Jones shouting out instructions to, to players. And it's like, look, look, he's in charge of the team. It's not the case at all. Coaches are always shouting stuff from technical areas. There were pictures of coaches. We watched match of the day last night. There were countless coaches in technical areas shouting out the players. But because it's become so... I'm trying to think of the right word. It is toxic towards Steve Bruce. I doubt if that's ever going to change, to be perfectly honest. And you will probably argue with me that he hasn't done enough this season for that to change. Fair enough. That's absolutely fine. I can, I can agree with you to an extent on that. But this stuff about Graham Jones, it's just bullshit. It's not, it is, and it, and it is disrespectful actually to the manager. And I just can't believe that I'm seeing so many sensible people buying into this idea that Steve Graham Jones is, is now in charge of the team. He's not. Steve Bruce is the head coach. He's in charge of the team. Graham Jones is working with them on the training pitch and working on certain things and in training, which 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 have worked and that's great. But that 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 is you know that's wonderful that it's working. We should be happy about that. We shouldn't be trying to put this division between man, uh, head coach and coach. Why do you think he um, gets so wound up when he's been asked about Jones? I guess, and I might be wrong. Yeah, I haven't seen him unequivocally state that it was his decision and respond. I think after the Everton win, perhaps. Oh, it was my idea to bring him in. We're really happy that he's here. He's doing a great job. And instead, what he did was he kind of plopped his bottom lip out and went in a bit of a huff. And that's, I think, for the fans, I'm speaking personally, mm. Bruce's sort of almost petulant man-child-type reactions to any kind of question that is to do with his authority or ability, the way that he responds, I think it winds a lot of people up. And I suppose given how he's, you know, we've seen um, clips of him responding to certain journalists lately, it, it's quite easy to think, well, there's obviously something not right there because he is responding like a big sort of spoiled child. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm misinterpreting these reactions, but 
Um, is, there, is there anything in that? Luke? What, what's, what's, your, what's your take on well, how you respond to well, the question? I, th I think that's a great point, Norman. Um, he has unequivocally said it was his decision. Um, the interesting thing is that probably hasn't been reported. Um, now, make of that what you will. But he has said it unequivocally his decision. Um, I think there is. I think there is a level of intrigue there in the background. I think personally, members of his existing coaching team may well have had their noses put out of joint a little bit by this decision to bring in a coach who effectively has moved ahead of the other two Steves, isn't he? Now, I said on a on a rival podcast um the Gallagher shots podcast i'm sure you won't mind me mentioning his name i thought i i thought um i thought bruce should have brought in i said this in october i think they'll probably even september that you should bring in another coach around him because i didn't think the other two were good enough now i know the other two i'm not you know i don't know them to to be friends with or anything like that but i know them i just didn't think they were good enough i think he needed he needed a new coach around him so i, I think there is a level of intrigue i think the fact the club were keen for him to do it may have helped create this environment where there were these rumors circulating that had been brought in above his head there was a lot there was a lot going on that week when he came in but the truth of the matter is if the club have brought him in above bruce's head i do honestly think bruce would have walked i, I, I really do um so i don't think that's happened i can't be 100 percent sure of that because i'm only getting bruce's word off the record and on the record and i knew it was something they've been looking at for a few months i think you're at i think you're right though norman his attitude towards the media at the minute isn't good and i've said this to him uh frankly and fully uh i think he has been a bit petulant with them um and i don't think that's healthy and as, as a member of the media i don't think it's great to ever ban any journalist or start censoring i'm, I'm not even asking questions in press conferences anymore in my own little silent protest at what's happening um because i don't agree with it and i don't think it's right i think the relationship with the chronicle has become very soured uh and i don't think that's good for newcastle because let's face it the chronicle are probably still the most important uh of all the local media uh and national media in terms of that direct link between supporters so i don't think that's good um i think there's a lot gone on that you probably don't see there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get reported press conferences have been pretty toxic as well at times some of the line of questioning has been you know, he had a little nibble at me, which you won't have seen after the Man City game. Um, uh, when I asked him a question, can you see why fans have lost all optimism about the direction that this this team is heading? Uh, he didn't like that. But um, it, and it, there has been there has been a lot of tension in press conferences. There's been a lot of stuff that some journalists have done that I think that and I, we were talking about this before we came in here. They're monitoring everything. Some journalist tweets are monitored, for example, like that. And we've had incidences of cabbages being put on spikes uh, and then tweeted out. I don't think that's particularly respectful. So I don't agree with what they're doing. I think it's stupid. I think Bruce needs to stop it. Now they've picked up a little bit. I think he just needs to get on with it and start treating the media with a little bit more politeness and 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 respect of his own. He's talked about being disrespected. I think he needs to treat the media with a little bit of respect as well now and get over it. Yes, he's had a bruising time. Yes, he's had a bit of a savaging. Um, but get over it and just start just start holding yourself with a little bit of dignity and and respect for, for for those people like me who have a job to do. Just uh, my comments regarding the um, sorry um, regarding the um, is that okay, lads? I'm getting an echo there. That, that, there was an echo, mate, but uh, it's always a pleasure to hear twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, just in regards to you know Twitter um, reactions, hmm. tweets, things like that. Obviously, me and you, Luke. Let's be honest; we've got a very, very frosty relationship. Um, frosty. 
Definitely, definitely, because last week I thought you were bang out of order the way you come at come at me. But hey ho, we'll take we'll take that off here. Um, in regards to the the appointment of Jones, um, you've got to understand we had one win in twelve before Jones was officially mm. announced. So when the likes of myself go on Twitter in praise, um, something that me and you agreed with in a private chat, saying that he did need help, Bruce has admitted he needed help. Um, it's blatantly obvious that, you know, if, if Newcastle United are going to work as a team on and off the pitch, you've got to give credit no matter who, who's, who's involved. Now, for me, when Jones come in as coach, we're seeing an instant change in tactics. We're seeing an instant change in body language, positivity. The way we went at Everton was, was just superb. You, you can bring Leeds into it all you want for half, half, half the game, but at the end of the day, we still got beat off a promoted side who've done the double over us and we've conceded seven goals. So people like myself, who've been a supporter for 33 years and seen some garbage, absolute garbage in Newcastle, I'm sure you'll understand. So for me, to take that as a positive and go on to Twitter and say, Grit Jones has got to be given credit because ultimately it looks to me as if the players are now responding. Whatever he's done has helped Newcastle United get a result. And for me, you come at me and said... Why can't you just give Steve Bruce credit? Now, for me, the problem we've got at this moment you? is... Why, why can't, can't I? I, I, give, I give Steve Bruce credit on our last podcast, Luke. And we agreed that we would revisit this in 10 games. I'm sure we'll come to a few comments that you made on that day. I've given Steve Bruce credit when I believe Steve Bre uh, Bruce mm -hmm. has deserved it. I was on a podcast last year with Ian Murder. Ian Murder said similar to your good self. And after that, we sort of... Gentlemen's agreed, yeah, let's see how it plans out. I've heard, give him 10 games, give him till Christmas, give him the end of the season, give him another 10 games, give him a second season. You know, there is going to be a point, Luke, where, you know, with all due respect, the likes of yourself are going to have to appreciate that supporters will have seen enough and they've got a right mm. to sort of put that frustration out. So, yes, I will give Steve Bruce credit because he's part of a new coaching setup that has made us look a lot better. But ultimately, you can't it. ignore... You, that, that's irrelevant, Luke. That's, that's irrelevant. What I'm saying is what we're seeing, Bruce's decision or not. No, no, you can roll your eyes, Luke. The, pro the problem is, you see... Okay, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah the, pro the problem is, is he's come, he's come in, right? And we've seen, as supporters, an instant reaction. Instant. Now, for me, having seen Steve Bruce's football for 18 months and having spoke to Villa supporters recently regarding what they went through, Sunderland supporters, what they went through, we've gone through exactly the same. So, for us to take that as a positive and then you to turn around and make it all about Steve Bruce, it's not Steve Bruce Football Club, it's Newcastle United Football Club. So, you can understand when the likes of myself get pissed off with the way you tweet and antagonize. You know what I'm saying? So, we well, can you, celebrate. You antagonize me. So, no. you know, the way you tweet antagonizes me. So, I'm, I'm oh. entitled. If you feel that I'm antagonizing you, am I not mm -hmm. entitled if you're antagonizing me to come well, back I, at you? Is that not how these things work? I'll tell you well, what we'll do, Luke. I followed you for a while. I've stopped following you because you're doing my head in. Yeah. I've obviously done your head in. So we've stopped following each other, which is fine. Yeah. And that's the sensible thing to do. You've now come on this podcast and trying to have like yeah. talking about me rolling my eyes at you, saying we have a frosty yeah, relationship. Are. I don't have any yeah. relationship with you. I don't really know you. So that's fine. But okay. I wasn't aware my relationship with you was frosty. I thought we had privately been very sensible and decided let's stop following each other on Twitter, which is fine. You've started that's, to come on. That's a lie. You, you want to be antagonistic to me now. If you're antagonistic to me, and you are, and you irritate me, I will come back at you. That's just the way it is, all right? Rightly or wrongly, on, on I'm Twitter. entitled to on do Twitter. that. I'm entitled to yeah. do that. 
You antagonize me, so that's fine. To go back to your point, to go back to your point. Hang on, hang I on, hang on. I, I haven't finished my question. I haven't finished okay, my question. Well, it was a long question. Come on. It, it, was, it was a point. Right, okay. Right. I have had enough of the way you go on with me. I've got private messages off you when you've apologized for the way you went on. Last week, you've decided to have another pop at me. Okay. So we'll just we'll just park that there, Luke. We'll just park right, that okay. there. Right, okay. You've had pops okay. to me, I've had pops to you, so that's tip for tap. Fine. No, we'll no, 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 no. Uh, you're not putting yourself as a victim. Not, you're not going to go play the victim card with me. You're not going to play the victim card with me. You've had pops at me as well. I'm going to jump play in. I'm yep. gonna ju- I'm gonna jump in. We'll 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 bring it to the football and let you have your sort it out. Well, I'd, I'd like you to answer my question. How yeah. how on your castle support has not allowed to give the coaching staff and the new setup and everything we've seen over the last three games, which has been two positive results, three positive performances. Everyone's happy, but we're still 16th and we've still it's still work in progress. But at what point? Are we allowed to sort of go, you know what? This isn't about Steve Bruce. This is about Newcastle United. That's that's my question, Luke. Simple as that. Well, of course, it's about. It's always about Newcastle United, isn't it? Always. It will always be about Newcastle United. It's always about Newcastle United. It's not. My point is, as I've explained at the very top of this, I found the reaction to Graham Jones coming in, which I've tried to put into context for you, Mark, is disrespectful to the, to the head coach because he's still the head coach. So if do you want Graham Jones to be manager, for example? Do you think if Graham Jones took over that team, a manager who'd just been sacked by Luton when they were 19th in the championship. It's a very different job coaching and being a manager. So shall we make Graham Jones manager because he's come in and had this wonderful impact on the team? I would, is he, really, he going to be a really good manager? Or should we just... Or we'll the, agree, we'll agree on one point, Mark. It's, it's, a un, it's a unified coaching team, right? So the coaching has improved. Results have improved over the last three, four games. I think performances have improved over the last four games. There's a long, long way to go. This has not been a progress season. We've not seen the progress that we. I first came on, I think, in the first podcast I did with you, whether it was in the summer. I couldn't sit through another season like last season. I said that, and I still feel that they were si- They were still pretty awful when they were sitting comfortably free of relegation. The football wasn't any good. They were still struggling. The team was. It was stagnating. To go back to that that phrase that Bruce hated, I think about it was. It was stagnating. There wasn't going to be any progress. But I think I've always, throughout this, tried to take a little step back, which people like yourself will say, because I'm too close to Bruce, maybe you're right. But maybe it's because I just want to look at a slightly wilder picture and I look at the quality of the squad and where they are. They're a bottom half of the table team. They are. They are a bottom half of the table team. The highest they would probably finish would be 10th on a really, really good season. So it's been pretty awful. Things have picked up a little bit. And I just feel that even when they've been picking up, people like yourself have still tried to use that as a way to have a go at Bruce. I don't think that's fair. We can agree to disagree on that. That's absolutely fine. But I, I think it's unfair. I always have done. Just to um, jump in quickly, uh, Luke, obviously you seem to have quite a lot of confidence in Steve Bruce. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't after 11, I didn't after 11 games without a win, I have to say, as I, as I, I, think, I think, obviously, I mean, I appreciate that you're friends with them. So that, you know, you, I'm sure you'd be the first, I mean, that might skew your objectivity when kind of mm. giving an opinion on what he's like as a, as a manager. But, but as a fan, I suppose the way that I look at it is that Bruce has been here for the best part of two seasons now. And it's been pretty terrible, more or less. Uh, throughout the whole period, regardless of the, you know, air quotes, cup runs, uh, obviously because we saw what happened in the cup, the cup runs when we came up against a decent, a decent opposition. Um, and I think 
from my from my perspective, you, you mentioned the squad there not being good enough for the top ten. And I look at West Ham United at the moment, and I don't think we're that far off West Ham in terms of actual ability. So I think there is potential there, especially given how this season has panned out. With a better manager, I do believe that Newcastle United could be and should be challenging for the top ten. However, let, let's put that at one side. I guess what I find difficult is I look at Steve Bruce and I look at his career as a manager. And okay, he's done well with certain sides. Um, he did great job, great work with Birmingham City, taking them up into the Premier League and keeping them there for a couple of seasons before getting relegated. Did well at Hull, obviously. But in terms of where he's at in his career, I don't see him as a the manager who can do with the club what I believe it's capable of, even under Mike Ashley's ownership. And I think, you know, I, I, what I find difficult is, is, is where this this confidence you you have in, in, in Steve Bruce to, to deliver what Newcastle United fans expectations ought to be not what, what the are, uh, you know and from a subjective level i mean from a subjective position i think you guys you know, it should be challenging for the league course i do because i'm a football fan and that's what you want yeah. right objectively that's never going to happen it's never going to happen on a mate actually it probably won't happen again in my lifetime sadly but i think that even in its limited capacity right now it is capable of way more and i do think that steve bruce's abilities as a manager are holding us back and i just want to know where you get your confidence from because it because it kind of mirrors my lack of confidence really I I think that I have to skewer this question slightly because I think Steve Bruce is doing just about as well, which is what I've said again. I've argued this in print. I don't know whether you, you, you again, you all read the articles that I write, but I've said in print that Steve Bruce is doing a decent job as a Mike Ashley manager. If you look at all of the managers that Mike Ashley has had, all of them, the average league position is 13th. They've had one top six finish. Every season pretty much has been a relegation battle. Apart from last season, possibly the one under Pardew, um, they've always been worried about relegation. So I think he's doing as good a job as many others before him and anyone who came after him are doing under Mike Ashley. Now, what I find interesting about this debate is we are all united on one thing, all four of us, even, even me and Mark, is that Mike Ashley is the root cause of all of the problems at Newcastle and always will be. So what I think we are seeing and what we have seen for the last 19 months is all of the kind of frustration that there is about the way Newcastle are and where they are as a football club under Mike Ashley has now been diverted to the manager. Do I think Steve Bruce can turn Newcastle into a top eight? Are we going to say top eight team? I don't... Can anyone with the budget they've got? Maybe over a long period of time, but you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that in 19 months. So I think he has a lot to prove personally. I think he's had a decent amount of time, as you've all seen. You've all sat through it. Some of the football has been turgid and it's been just as bad this season, if not worse at times. The Sheffield United game, for example, was probably one of the worst games I've seen from a, I'm not even just going to say Newcastle, from a Premier League football team in my 21 years of covering Premier League football. So that's how bad it was. He's got a lot to prove. There hasn't been progress. But then I have to take a step back. Look, do you think Mike Ashley is going to sack Steve Bruce if he keeps him up this season? Almost certainly not. I have said as soon as the fans come back into the stadium, I think Steve Bruce will be gone. I think I think he will go because unless they pick up this, if they, unless they take these next four games, which I know Alex believes they have a platform to do, unless they take the performances out of the last four games through till the end of the season, when we get the fans back in next season, he'll be gone because I think there's no way a manager can survive if there is that if if the hostility that I that is on Twitter certainly on social media, and I have no reason to believe that that isn't shared elsewhere among the other rank and file, but we can never be sure because Twitter isn't isn't the real world, um, then he'll be gone at the start of next season. So I don't think he'll get an opportunity. I think 
there needs to be for him to realistically say this has been a progress season. The next, what the template has been set over the last four games of how they play, how they go about things, the chances they create, the body language of the players, everything else needs to be kept like this till the end of the season. And if it isn't, and he keeps them up, he'll probably keep his job because it's Mike Ashley. Um, and unless the club is sold, he will still be in charge in the summer. So he will keep Steve Bruce because Steve Bruce does exactly what he wants him to do and what he's wanted every single manager over the last 16 years to do, which is keep them in the Premier League. And when you go back to this team, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot now and it might be a separate point you want to ask me. Bruce has wanted that Joe Willett player since last summer. I wasn't allowed to get him because they said there's no money. Not for even for a loan. There wasn't any money for a loan. So if it had been... Um, this isn't. I'm no, you're going to say I'm bringing Rafa in now, but Rafa would have complained about that. Yeah. And I have said, I have said to Steve, you need to start complaining because when you know that happened, when you know he's not been allowed to do the things that he wants to do and isn't getting the players that he wants, we've had a manager who played that game brilliantly and just talked about it all the time, either off the record or on the record. Bruce hasn't done that. I don't understand why he's done that. But you saw Joe Willock came in yesterday. He finally got him in his third. He, he really, it's only his second transfer window because the first one. Some, no, four, fourth transfer window. So the first summer one wasn't his transfer window. It's taken him three windows to get that player. because Not because he didn't want one, but because the club wouldn't let him buy one so or get one because there wasn't any money and they couldn't get anybody off the wage bill. So there are always, for me, in this debate, there are always mitigating circumstances, which is all I try and bring to the argument because all I see is this one-way tracking of negativity and attacks and it brings out something in me that makes me want to defend him. But to go back to your question, Norman, I don't know if he can turn into a top eight. To boil it down, I don't know if he can turn Newcastle into a top eight. The evidence of his first 19 months would be no, wouldn't it? I think we could all agree on that. It would be no. But is anyone with Mike Ashley as owner going to turn Newcastle into a top eight team? No. There's a lot to go oh, here. You know, a fascinating discussion so far. First of all, there was some speculation on a few Twitter threads, Luke, about yeah. uh, when you would first mention Rafa. So those who had 23 minutes collected when you were me. Um, you know, you know the, the interesting thing about this Graham Jones thing, is now, what I will come back at you quite strongly, Luke, is, is actually, mm. and I appreciate you you're going off general fan feeling maybe on Twitter, but when we, we recorded that post-Everton podcast, you know, um, Norman was on on with me. and I, I listened know, to it. I listened yeah, to it. I said, you know, I, I personally couldn't care less about who takes credit you yeah. know, whatever. If we're winning games, then it's fine. If we're playing like we did against Everton, fine. There was, there's no kind of Graham Jones is is the one. Bruce is the one for me. It's a coaching team. I think. I think that the, the impact exactly. Jones has made has been fun, phenomenal. Let's be let's be serious. And you know, I, I do think I disagree with you slightly. He can be here at the start of next season if we see what we've seen consistently. Yeah. But to go back what, to what you said in the previous podcast, we have been here before, and that this is this worries me slightly. And I'll think about the game next Monday. We have been here before. We have seen, you know, wild upturns in form. You know, we we'll go back to last season when it, it really looked bad. He, he dropped the five at the back. We went. We played at home at Burnley, and I think we, we took twelve points from five games, which is like championship form. And what did he do at the end of that season? And you you referenced it on the last podcast as potentially losing confidence in himself. That's what concerns me. So even if mm. you say, and I'm willing to say, well done, Steve Bruce. I thought if he if he didn't win the game yesterday, he should have been sacked. I think he won the game. I said to someone on Twitter pre-match, he's probably said to the lads in the dressing room, lads, I've got Luke Edwards in the True Faith podcast tomorrow. You know what that means. You need a result. 
to pull it out the bag from so we, so he can come on like he always does after a win. But the fair play <laughs> that did make me laugh that tweet when you put that out. Actually, everyone else, <laughs> everyone else was nervous, but I knew Luke was coming on the podcast tomorrow, so no danger. But yeah. um, so fine. But but what what and this this touches on what Norman said, and, and I'm interested in your your view, Luke. It's like we, we can't keep having this great reset moment. We can't keep having it like shit the bed. Everything is literally terrible because it was I mean that Villa game because and I, I do read your pieces that Villa game you know that was that was where's Newcastle United gone that was where where's that that spirit in that togetherness it, it wasn't just that the team were, were shit it was they were shit and seemed like they didn't really mind they were shit but yeah. fine since that moment it's been much better and they're two massive wins against Everton and in Southampton but but my concern is we can't it's almost impossible that he goes back from here he needs to go to Chelsea next Monday night and play like they did at Everton and that's fine have 30% possession like we did at Everton this isn't about oh going and and, and being gung-ho or, or getting men ahead of the ball it's like no go with a game plan a game plan that's been worked on and if you get beat 4-0 you can go to Man United the previous week and improving it my concern with Steve Bruce is he goes into that game it's five at the back again I'm tweeting two wins in 26, now playing five at the back in the Premier League. And it's as mm. a fan, you're like, fucking hell, where, where do we go from here? Would you agree that like he's got this one last chance almost, with the fan base anyway, if not Mike Ashley, one last chance, bit of positivity. You saw Twitter last night, and I appreciate you you, you, you fight your battles. But but my Twitter feed last night was full of people buzzing, absolutely buzzing. With yeah, that. which is great, which is why it should be. Yeah. yeah. So so do you think, I'll I put to you, do you think this is it? This is his last chance. And do you think you'll take it? Do you, do, you, do you think you'll learn from his mistakes? Does he even know he's made mistakes? Because from, from our point of view, he seems very incapable in the public anyway of admitting to any kind of failure or flaws at all. For example, we played well at Arsenal, getting me 3-0, et cetera, et cetera. I think you make an interesting point about Twitter. I'll just address that one first, is that my Twitter feed is obviously very different to your Twitter feeds because people, I attract a lot of weirdos i'm going to put that out there who who will just pile on but you know i'll put a tweet out and it will be anti-bruce stuff so i'm probably getting a very warped view of stuff but that is still my twitter feed but that's why twitter is dangerous in many respects i do think it's his last chance to, to address your main point yeah it's his last chance i've said in my last answer to the question we've got the template now we've got the benchmark we've seen i will say three and a half good performances in a row with two wins and they should have beaten palace i think personally they should have been out of sight at half time. Um, we are seeing a Newcastle team play better. It's more fun to watch. And that's that is, I think, one of the main problems of the 18 months up to this last month with Newcastle. It's never been fun to watch. Uh, and we all need a bit of enjoyment in our lives, um, whether I'm at the game as a journalist or whether you're all there as a fan. But we can't go back to slipping. If we go back to the turgid football that we've seen, then he's finished. I mean, I've, I've, I'll keep saying that. We won't. He won't survive as manager because even if Mike Ashley wants to protect him, the fans won't have it as soon as they're back in the stadium, and he will have to go. We, you know, every manager eventually has to show signs of progress. So I'm about to do the BBC podcast later on after this, um, and we'll talk about Solskjaer. And people are probably starting a bit of a pop at Solskjaer again now because they're falling away in the title challenge. But he's made progress. In the time he's been there, the team have progressed. Results have got better. Now, Bruce spoke about progress at the start of the season as being challenging for a top 10 finish. I don't think they're going to get there. But what you would like to see is them at least finish above 13th or collect more points than they did last season so that we have a tangible evidence of progress being made. Will they do that? I don't know. I think they have a chance with the way they're playing at the moment. But you've got to maintain those standards. You've got to maintain 
that level of goal threat, you've got to maintain that style of football. So he's got to keep this going. And if he doesn't, he will be finished as Newcastle manager. And you won't find me on Twitter or anywhere else saying, oh, no, he should stay. If it goes back to what it was, if they go on another losing run, he'll have to go. I, you know, I, I was I was basically saying to a month ago, I think he was, you know, he was one or two games away from the sack. I think you all read that. I thought you'd have read it on Twitter. I said it in the paper. He's one or two games away from the sack because it was so bad. So we've turned a little corner. He's not actually said turn the corner. You'll notice he's never actually said that himself. But we've got some positive signs, but they need to be maintained until when god when's the season end is it may or june i forget it goes on forever isn't it end of may um so that needs to be maintained over a long another 10 games right let's see if he maintains it um over another 10 games because that's what we all need to see we don't need to see little flashes have you said alex of good results pulling something out of the fire when he needs to saving his job with a little you know a, a great a backs to the wall win blah 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 but what encourages me is that the wins he's pulled out when he needed to save his job this time I've actually been good performances, but it's a microcosm. That's a four-game spell in a however many games he's had spell. So that's still not good enough. So, yeah, it has to be maintained at the end of the season. I absolutely 100% agree with you, Alex. Nice one. It's interesting that um, you said he hasn't explicitly said we've turned the corner. I don't know if you heard. Um, I think before the Everton match, he said uh, we need to continue where we left off against Leeds, which was obviously conceding the second goal and losing the game. I thought it was an interesting chunk of words. But, um, the, yeah, but they were better in the second half, weren't they? They 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 took they at least took the game to Leeds. We were better where they left off or was 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 with a defeat and uh, conceding the second goal. But I'm you know I'm being pedantic. Um, quick question, Luke. Interesting, yeah. interesting that you brought up. Rafa, there he goes. I was never going to bring Rafa. Only in passing. Only in passing. Um, it it um, wasn't a, a, just no, a direct. Just a quick question on, on yeah. that. Um, the Bruce does seem to have a little bit of a, shall we say, a beanie's bonnet about Rafa. And referring specifically to the comments that he made recently, um, you know, the kind of deeply sarcastic world class Rafa, yeah. the mighty Rafa. The mighty Rafa. Yeah. Any, any, any insight there? Because I'll just, what I'll quickly say is, is that. Right. I try me hardest not to be anti-Steve Bruce. Like, I do try because I want to see the football club do well, right? But Steve Bruce's mode of communicating, it really makes him difficult to like. And when he, when he says these kind of, as I say, these petulant, snotty comments, like, oh, world-class mighty Rafa, I'd say, mate, what, like, what, mate, why are you doing that? Because it's not going to help. Like, have you got any insight as to why? Why that is? Why he does it? Um... Yeah, okay, so that was a very interesting press conference because what actually happened, which wasn't reported, uh, understandably, was that the question was about what, what would constitute success for you this season. And Bruce actually turned that around onto the journalist who asked the question and said, well, what would you think would be success? Um, and it was like, well, mm, you know... Um, uh, well, you know, finishing, you know, 10 for, you know, where, 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 where did, and I think, I think, I don't know whether it was the journalist or Bruce said, um, where did we finish under Rafa? And I think it was 10 from 13. And so Bruce asked the journalist, did you consider that to be success? And he said, yes. So the journalist said, yes. So that led on to the stuff about, about Rafa. I don't think the might, the actual context of the question was, the answer was actually okay because he was being vaguely complimentary to Rafa. But he went down this rabbit hole and then came up with that ridiculous The Mighty Rafa, which was just like, oh, fuck, um, just like, why have you done that? And But the wider context it was, it was actually a discussion between journalists and manager about where this squad could finish. How good was it? Where could it finish? And it was actually 
that was all left out of the answer was that it had been the journalist who had said that success was what Rafa had achieved. Um, not Steve Bruce actually qualifying that what Rafa achieved was success. So then he ended up saying the might of Rafa come. But it's a silly thing to say. I think his media dealings are pretty poor, actually. Norman, I think you're right. I think he's too far too prickly at the moment. Um, and he's got this. It's one of those weird things, isn't it, where I think he is far too thin-skinned, really, in a way. And I think he makes this big deal about not being thin-skinned, but I think he probably is. I don't think his two children telling him what's been said on Twitter is particularly helpful for anyone. So, do you know what I mean? I mean, he's a 60-year-old bloke, um, and I don't look what's been said about me on Twitter most of the time. And, you know, I don't... I have this weird personality where I don't really care. So it's fine. But if I was to trawl through it, it would probably upset you. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure horrible things are said about me. So why are his kids informing him what's been said? So all of that Rafa stuff comes probably from like his kids saying, oh, well, they're constantly Rafa's better, Rafa's this, Rafa's that. So I think it was a stupid comment, Norman. I agree with you totally. It was unnecessary. He doesn't need to talk about the previous manager. It's 19 months now. But the context of that was, it was actually, I believe, a journalist brought up Rafa, not. Steve, and then that took him down the whole answer of of comparing Rafa Benitez's seasons. But it was a stupid thing to say, and unnecessary. I just, um, I think possibly to me with this, I don't know what the right word is. Luke, you can put me right if I'm wrong. This press ban or this local press blackout or whatever um, might be saving Steve Bruce from himself a little bit because if these interactions are clearly. And that, like I'll say if, if if members of the local press who are looking for you know to to, to push him into making comments, they're clear it's clearly working. They're, they've clearly got his number in terms of how they ask the questions or what they can get yeah. out of him. Well, that's you, our job, so I'd never apologise for any journalist doing that. If we if, look, if, if we all try and trip up managers in press conference, trust me. So there's been a bit of that going on, but I've done my fair share of that before, certainly with Alan Pardew. So look, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a go at anyone. Yeah, they probably are. It's not a black blanket ban. What basically happened is. The Chronicle used to get its own briefing. Um, now, the club have been wanting to stop that. The club, not Bruce, I hasten to add. This is Mike Ashley's Newcastle, remember. This is the club that did the preferred media partners deal with a national newspaper uh, and cut everybody out of Steve McLaren's um, unveiling. Uh, I was banned at the time, funnily enough. Um, so, banned for a year back then. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they have always had this troubled relationship with the newspapers and with the Chronicle, um, which is stupid, but it's just the way it is. And it's been going on for years. And I think basically what happened is that Bruce had this bit of a falling out with an, a, a couple of journalists who he felt had been particularly hostile and aggressive. That's partly our job. Um, so that's fine. I'm not going to criticise any journalists for that. And then they suddenly had an amiable manager to do what the club has always wanted to do. Now, not so long ago until, can I bring Rafa up again? Because Rafa changed this. Rafa brought the Chronicle back in to have their own media section. Uh, he split up. We we didn't used to have a dailies newspaper briefing under McLaren. It used to all be lumped in together with TVs because that's what the club wanted to do. They wanted to punish the newspapers who they felt had been had stirred up in the most trouble or been the most critical. Um, so what we've gone back to is still better than what we had on, under McLaren, but it is a shift back to treating all the whole newspaper industry, me included, fairly appallingly. And what they've taken away is the Chronicle's privileges, whereas they would have a 10, 15 minute private briefing with the manager, which he'd done ever since he came in and which, which Rafa used to do before him. That's now gone. It is slowly beginning to fall a little bit. It, you know, there are more questions now from newspapers. I think we went from two questions to three 
And last night after the game, there were, I think, four or five from, from, from newspaper journalists again. So it's crap. There's no excuse for it. Bruce shouldn't be doing it. Um, I've told him this. Um, I don't think it's right. And um, hopefully it's going to change. But it is it is just falling into the trap of a football club that has wanted to do this forever, basically. Cheers. Yeah. Just just a quick one on um, on Rafa and Steve Bruce, uh, Luke. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, as a as a supporter, my own perspective on Steve Bruce's comments is I, I do suggest there's a there's a, a sense of jealousy there because he hasn't got that yeah. relationship with the supporters. Yeah. Um, I think you're probably but, right. But, Mark, yeah. but what I, what I will say is, and it it does sound as if you know, I think you've got an impression of the likes of myself. I'm just anti Steve Bruce. Not at all. Nothing will give me satisfaction than Newcastle to go on an unbeaten run and do better than Rafa Benitez because, because then Steve Bruce has done exactly what he was brought in to do, which is, which is in his own words, to take the club forward. Now, at the, at the moment, Mike Ashley's Newcastle United or not, we sit here today in 16th and he hasn't took us forward. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we've all got to agree on that. But, but what, I will, what I will say, though, is... As 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 your friend, how close you are, or anything, it's got nothing to do with me. But but what I would say is whether you've got the uh, the friendship, give him a little bit bit of a nudge. And just in regards to his media, you know, for me, we've had this discussion before. When you call your your, your team shite, that is calling out your team, whether whether you like it or not. Um, you know, he's called any sort of negativity from the fans is keyboard warriors. So does that mean that people who aren't on the internet, their opinions don't count? And also in regards to the press, I mean, you've said there that the ban on the press, if it's, if it's getting loose, fine, that's what we want to hear. You know, no one should not be allowed to uh, ask questions. But it just seems to me as if, that, if it was a club decision, I think that's what you said anyway, apologies if I got that wrong. If it was a club decision, then why, why are the only people who have actually questioned Steve Bruce are the ones who have actually been, been banned, if that makes sense? Nobody's been banned. Nobody's been banned. There's just we're not. No national journalists were allowed to answer a question. In, in the past, in the past, people have been banned, or haven't they? We, we, we can agree on that. Uh, I've been banned. Yeah. Um, no, no. It, since Steve Bruce has come in. Since Steve Bruce has not, come in, Luke. Since Steve Bruce has come in, the only one. I don't know whether he want me to know. Craig Hope from the Daily Mail was banned for the St Maximum yeah. story about him having a fallout with Bruce. That that's the only banning there was been, and Craig was let back in um, at the uh, at the end of last season. Yeah, but my point about the press in the regards that, you know, if they've got limitations and asking questions or they have, you know, the Chronicle, um, et cetera, et cetera. My, my point is, is why does it seem to be that the people who have got anything sort of, and to be honest, I don't think the journalists these days go anywhere near what they used to do back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, nowhere near is critical on players, on on, on the football club, on, on managers. So my, my, my yeah. point is, is, I suppose, what, what, why, why anyone who's questioning them in any aspect, other than being told to basically stop asking questions. Well, we were all asked to stop asking questions, so I don't. I I kind of see your point, yeah. But it hasn't been. We were all lumped in together as the newspapers. It wasn't like he suddenly said the Daily Mail can't ask questions and the Chronicle can't ask questions. It was we all weren't allowed to ask questions. So it wasn't going journalist by journalist in terms of how critical you'd been. It was literally all of us. So. All, and I said, the Chronicle right. lost that privilege of having their own. So maybe you could say that the Chronicle have been punished, probably. And again, I will keep saying it's wrong and it shouldn't happen. They've lost that special privilege that they had, which was sitting in on the national on the, the national broadcasters, the local broadcasters, the national uh, written press, 
And then they used to have another 10 minutes on their own with no other journalists in the room. They had a privileged position, as they should do, as, as the Chronicle, quite frankly. That has been taken away. So that's all that happened. But in terms of individual journalists not being able to ask questions, that hasn't happened. We've just, and I haven't asked a single question in my little silent protest since since this whole policy came in because I, you know, I'm going to disengage from a manager or anyone who treats the media like that. Um, it's not really had any impact. I don't think anyone's bloody noticed, but now I've uh, now I've drawn attention to it. Maybe they will. So, yeah, so I haven't asked a question since all this nonsense started and I will keep pushing for it to stop as soon as possible. Norman wants to ask a, a football question. Um, yes. I was going to come to you anyway, Norman, so I don't know whether you want to ask a different question, but I was going to say let's let's talk about yesterday and uh, let's talk about Joe Willock because Luke's referenced him before and, and, and I'm keen to hear from you and Mark in particular who have who've been going a long time. Uh, Norman, I'll kick off with you and then you can maybe ask your question after if it wasn't about that before we get Mark's thoughts. Joe Willock, in terms of debuts at St. James's Park, have you seen much better than that, mate? <sighs> I mean, I think Sissoko's first game was against Chelsea at St James's Park, wasn't it? And that was, I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. And we just pretty much ended Ashley Cole's career in the Premier League in, in more afternoon. Um, but, I mean, you put me on the spot there. Have I seen any better? And Mickey Quinn's going for on his debut. That was canny. Um, especially after he'd seen a banner in Newcastle saying, who the fuck is Mickey Quinn before that? But um, the Willock was fantastic. Look, what, what we saw from Willock yesterday is what I expected to see not to that extent so quickly but in terms of the kids potential I've seen a fair bit for Arsenal and he's a very very good player he's come through the Arsenal Academy and that academy has produced some outstanding talent they've clearly got got it going on there a bit like, like Chelsea Chelsea have got an incredible academy as well and obviously one of the benefits of being a club in London with a good academy is, is that you've got a lot of people to pick from um, and Joe Willock himself very what I like about him, very grounded. He's from um he's from Waltham Forest, so we're, we're Walthamstow area basically. So my part of the world. Yeah, well, so so he's he's a kid who like, well exactly I so so he's he's a lad who you know he has got that kind of level headedness that you get when you, you you come up through when you come from it from certain areas and you can see what the way he spoke yesterday was really was just really was just really engaging and, and that is good to see because if you're off if, if if off the pitch you've got this level of intelligence and way of communicating that's gonna it's gonna transcend onto the pitch. And we saw yesterday his movement was spectacular. People see a box to box. He was he was left to right yesterday as well. I mean, he was all over the pitch. And the fact that he had watched enough of Newcastle United before even putting on the black and white shirt to understand that if he spoke to Alan San Maximan and said, I'm gonna make the runs for you to put the ball in on the penalty spot for me, I'm gonna do that. He he did that, he that was him preparing. Um, to, to start playing on Newcastle, and that's fantastic to see. It's not he didn't just turn up at the training ground and think, right, what's going on? He he did his homework before he even started training, and he and he's a he's a really wonderful player. I don't think. I mean, I th actually, I think on the BBC's deadline day coverage, I I did a little bit for True Faith, and I said I've heard rumours of Willock. I don't think it'll happen, but it'd be great if it did. Um, I never thought it would happen, and the fact that he's come in is is a real positive, and I think. Signing him, probably not going to happen. I can imagine Arteta's going to watch him very carefully between now and the end of the season. Um, but what he has done is he has shown us what we've known for years and years and years. That position has not been filled since Johan Kabay left the club. We've been desperate, desperate for a centre midfielder of that quality, that movement, and that and, and, and who can offer that for, for years. And, and he was it was really, really impressed with him. And what can I say along me continue? What I will say is, is that I think Miguel Almiron, Alan San Maximan. And um, Joe Willick you, and Callum Wilson, four players there who are, who are 
clever, that clever footballers. Like you know that you can you can you can just see it. And I think those four, regardless of what goes on in the training ground, right? Regardless of what I think of that, those four together, if they if they click on a day, they can they can beat they can beat anyone. Ambitious football club would be trying to sign him though, Norman. That 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 is where I get frustrated. Is that forget that we we'll leave part of the Bruce debate for a while. But Bruce has wanted that player for ages, and he he's he's gone and got that player. He should have been able to bring him in in the summer. That because we we all we're all we, you've just said Kabaya. I've said Wijnaldum in the past, so they haven't had a player like that since we're not. So they haven't had a player like that. We can all agree since they've come back up to the Premier League. And why wasn't he allowed to do that? They should be looking at Willock now. They should be making him feel welcome. He, he looks like he's loving it. He looks like he's so chuffed to be here. He's not like one of your normal your loan signings, as you said, Norman, who's come in and went, oh, I'll get I'm the big man, I'll get a bit of get a bit of first team football here, and then I'll go back to Arsenal. He looks like he's engaging with the club, he's engaging with the fans. There is a chance that they could get that. If he comes and does well over six months, an ambitious football club, an Everton, for example, even a Southampton or a Leicester, they will be looking to turn that permanent. Or they'd at the very least be looking to bring him back next year. I think there is a chance they might get him back next year on loan, but they should be looking to make that kid think, what is he, 21 now? He's not he's not super young anymore. He's 21. Is he gonna get in the Arsenal team if he goes back? He's on being on the fringes. They've got a new generation of younger players coming through. There is a chance to get Joe Willock to come and play for Newcastle. He's on the money sort of money they can afford wage-wise. He wouldn't be a huge transfer fee. He would be a decent transfer fee, but it wouldn't be huge money. An ambitious football club goes and gets a player like that. That is what they should be doing. They should be working round the clock every day, week after week, between now and the end of the season, to persuade Joe Willock that he should come and play for Newcastle. If they can get into that kid's head and say, this is the best move for your career, they could get him. But will they do that? Will Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley say, Oh yeah, we'll go and get him because he's going to cost twenty-one million or whatever, or whatever Arsenal want for him on wages of sixty grand a week. Can you? That's what they should be doing. But my fear is they won't do that because it's you, Mike Ashley and it's Lee Chan. Mark, you, you know your first game at St James is what 86, 85? 80, 88. 88. All right, I'm making you all sorry. <laughs> but um, have you ever seen us win with nine men before? Oh, oh, that's a great question. No, but I do remember. I do remember going down to um, eight men um, at Derby County, um, nineteen ninety-two, and we got beat four-one. But I tell you what, it's one of the best performances I've seen from eight men in my life. Uh, well, obviously the only time I've seen eight men, but the best performance at Newcastle. The support was right behind them. Um, even Terry McDermott got sent off from the dugout. It was just hell on that day, on and off the pitch. But it was great as a thirteen, fourteen-year-old at the time. That was what it's what it's all about. Um, you know, but but I don't know, mate. It, it's it's one of those. You know, it was backs against the wall stuff. But you've got to give every single one of them credit. The players, the manager, Luke. I did say that the manager, the uh, the coaches, every single one who was part of that setup and the result all deserves credit. It's as it's as simple as that. And to be honest, just go, going back to uh, well, look, I just loved his enthusiasm on the pitch. His interviews afterwards, his little selfies for Twitter and things like that, and. Um, Regarding debuts, I think it's been a long, long time since we've seen someone just come in and, and made such an impact like that. I mean, John Joe Shelby did it a few years ago, but the jury's still out on him for me. For me, I would I would cash in on him in the summer, to be perfectly honest with you. Agreed. Um, yeah. But but for me, if what Luke's saying, we should we should try and sign him and build the team around him based on that performance, hopefully he continues into the next, you know, five, six, seven games or so. That's that's when we'll see the real, real impact you'll have on the team. If an, up, an upwardly mobile club would go and do that deal because he's exactly yeah. the sort of player that a club like Newcastle should be signing. Young, 
on on not huge money, could sell him on for a profit. He if he fits everything that that club should be doing. But this is Newcastle, and when when have they ever done what they should be doing under Mike Ashley? So be interested to see how that one pans out. I agree with everything you word. He should have killed the game as well. He he created the chance for Shelby to make it four one, and they, you know. They, they they wouldn't have been a way back into it. Hendrik wouldn't have got sent off. We wouldn't have they wouldn't have had to one with uh, with nine men. But yeah, really really encouraging. And I, I I liked everything about him as you've just said there, Mark. It wasn't just his performance; it was everything he's done in and around the move that is, that bodes really really well. Created a chance for Wilson as well. So you're looking at he created he basically created yeah. two goal scoring chances and scored. So his debut was was phenomenal all round. Um, Norman, I know Hendrik, man of the moment. <laughs> Uh, you wanted to touch on him or through, through the lens of the Longstaff Smith. So, why do you talk about that? I look. You might have some insight. Yeah, um, Jeff Hendrick has been pretty mediocre, more or less. Not being kind, Norman. <laughs> Not being kind, mediocre. I'm a very nice person. Um, I don't want to hurt his feelings when he watches this later on. Obviously, um, <laughs> look against that. He did a lot of running. He did what he had to do. That was probably, despite the, the performance against West Ham away, where he scored, it was probably his best performance. And by best, I mean he got like a 7 out of 10. What I find interesting, and I don't know what Bruce's input is here, but it does seem to me that the Longstaff brothers are being slightly ostracised for a player in Henrik who I don't think offers anything more than the two of them. In fact, I would say that both... Matty and Sean, either one of them in the team, would offer more. Now, I know there's issues with Sean's fitness long-term. I know that he hasn't been the same since he got that big injury at West... I think it was West Ham away, wasn't it, when we lost two? It was, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but Matty Longstaff, I, I don't think I've seen a game in which I've thought but to myself, Matty Longstaff's been by far the worst player on the pitch. Jeff Henrik, there are times when I'm watching a football match, and obviously I appreciate that I'm not in the stadium, so you're missing out on a lot of off-the-ball action. Yeah. Well, there are literally times when I forget that he's playing. Um, so what's what's your take on Bruce Park and the long staffs, let's say, for him? Um, I think Matty would have come in. I think Matty's the more interesting one than Sean because I think Sean has gone backwards, personally. I don't think he's been the same player. I think he, and it's very sad, but I, and I can't, you know, I can't say this is definitely the case. He just hasn't been the same player since that injury. Um and, you know, some people might put that down to, to, to the head coach or whatever else, and maybe, maybe they will be right. But he just hasn't done it for me uh, in the last 19 months at all when he's been in the team. I think he's had, he, he didn't play well in that, even in the cup run, you know, the Rochdale, Oxford, Sean Longstaff was starting in those games and he, he wasn't very good. Matty's the more interesting one. I think people behind the scenes at Newcastle have always rated Matty more highly than Sean. Uh, have to be careful about saying that in public because obviously they're brothers. Matty apparently is the harder working. He thinks about football all the time. He, he works on his game all the time. And I think we saw some real signs when he came into the team. He was injured at the start of the season. Don't forget, he had the the thigh problem, which I think ran into months, not not weeks. Um, so he missed he missed a lot of football. Then was on the fringes. But I thought he did well when he came in. Um, and I am a bit surprised that Hendrick's been picked above him. I think um, one of the things that I have heard is that um, Matty has lost a lot of weight um, for some reason um, and isn't quite as strong as he was. And I think they've been working on that behind the scenes, trying to boost his physique a little bit because he was looking a bit lightweight, apparently. Um, but Hendrick, for me, I saw him play for Ireland in the 2012 uh, Euros and he was brilliant. 
he was so good. And I remember coming back and David Moyes was the Sunderland manager and we went out for a meal with David Moyes. And I think it's Craig Hope and I sat with David Moyes and said, you've got to sign Jeff Hendrick. Like, you know, he's just, he's, he's going to be a top, top midfielder. He's just never, never, ever kicked on from then. I think he's just a steady player, doesn't do very much. You're right. He does do a lot of that stuff that you probably only see in the stadium, dropping back into position, helping the team keep its shape. But he's, 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 he's weak on the ball. He's a coward on the ball. He always looks for an easy pass. Whereas when Matty was in the team, he would turn and get the team moving forward. And Newcastle's big problem this season um, uh, was um, someone just put Moyes. No, that's you, Norman. Um, yeah, OK, fine. Yeah, it's a good point. No, it was 2002. Anyway, you've distracted me from the David Moyes thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's just done nothing, really. He's just, a, he's just a very steady bottom six of the Premier League, top half of the Championship player for me. And moving forward, if Newcastle are going to improve, it won't be with Jeff Hendrick in the team. It might be with, with, with Matty Longstaff in the team. But I think the only thing we can say is that when the centre-backs are fit, a bit like Liverpool at the moment, you would see Willock play in midfield instead of Hendrick with or Hayden moving into midfield and Hendrick wouldn't be starting anymore. And that would be the midfield. It'd be Hayden, Shelby and Willock, I would guess, in the new formation. He was just a free transfer signing. He's just He just reeks to me of someone they could get in on the budget that they had and they needed a midfielder. Um, there is an argument, perhaps, that Bruce shouldn't have signed Hendrick and kept his powder dry. But would you keep your powder dry with this regime going into the transfer deadline day looking for another central midfielder? I wouldn't. So I think he brought in a body in a weird transfer window early. And that was Jeff Hendrick on, on a free transfer. He won't be on huge money. Um, but I suspect along with a few others in the summer, I think there'll be a few of them available to buy. Whether anyone comes in for them is another matter entirely because another little tidbit I can give you that Newcastle haven't had a single cash bid for a player in the 19 months that Bruce has been, been manager. There's been no interest in any of their players whatsoever. So that's that's a bit of a problem moving forward because you, there isn't going to be a lot of money in the summer, whoever's manager, um, and there will be sell to buy, you suspect. So welcome to my Cashley's Newcastle. I would have assumed that Dave uh, would have been flying in for Joe Linton, left, right and centre. That was a huge shock. How much would you people. take for Joe Linton now as an aside? I mean, I five stuck million. up for him as long as five I could. Million. If you get five yeah. million back from that, that would do. Get him off the wage bill. Yeah. And, and yesterday, I thought the decision to bring him on yesterday was almost suicidal in terms of trying to throw a game. It was, it was like he wanted to get sacked. It was like he wanted to lose making that sub. I don't um, know why he did it because he thinks that Joe can play out wide and neither Gale or Carroll could, but I would have brought on Gale because he was just a likeful for like for Wilson and would have kept, he's not as good as Wilson, but he would have kept Sheffield United centre-backs honest, whereas Joe Linton's yeah. just like, and he didn't look arse when he came on. That's the other, that's the other, he just went through the motions right until the very last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Uh, he didn't want to be there. I just want to stick up a little bit for Matty Long stuff. I appreciate you saying he's been losing weight. Isn't uh, an attack on him, but no, you know, he's a really good player, Matty. There's a really good player in there. Yeah, but as a as a fan, it's difficult sometimes. And we've talked about this in the podcast. It's like you're Matty Long stuff. You haven't even been making the bench all season. Then all of a sudden, Renford happens, and he and Bruce changes eight players. So, so Matty, go on, son. You're in against Man City away. You're against Liverpool at home. You're in against uh, Leicester at home. Then you're out. We're not going to see you for a little while. Then we're going to stick you in Arsenal away. And then after that, you're not going to make the bench. It doesn't scream like player development to me. It seemed, it screams. No. But let's not forget that he wanted to leave in the summer. So, you know, there will be some residual 
there will be some residual. They were going to do the dirty with Newcastle on that deal as well. I think we all know he was going to go on loan to Udinese and then sign for Watford for £500,000 or whatever, not even £500,000. So, and, and, and there probably is a bit of residual. He was injured, but I agree with you. For me, he's better than Sean. He deserved the run in the team. I actually agree with you, Alex. I, I'm, I'm just sort of putting the, the, the sort of wider context there. Matt, he wasn't exactly committed to Newcastle at the end of last season and was actively looking to move and wanted ridiculous money to stay as well. So that's another classic case of a player being terribly advised by whoever was advising him at the time. I think we can speculate who that was. Um, but yeah, so I think there's still a player in there. I, w- I would stick with him and I think he d- does deserve a run in the team. I just think in, in the way the injury at the start of the season killed him, really. And if he has lost weight, and I don't know if that's actually true, but I think they are putting work into him, putting work into him fitness and conditioning wise at the moment um, because he's he's lost this weight. If uh, if anyone shot one at Morrison's North Shields could weigh Matty Longstaff and get back to me and Luke that would be appreciated. We'll put this one to bed. Norman, you want to talk about Alan St. Maximan? I just, um, how fantastic he was yesterday. It's interesting we had a discussion on well actually I can bring Miggy Almeron into this as well who all of a sudden is being played in his right position and is playing fantastically well. What, what a what a shock. Um, Sam Maximan, Bruce has mentioned, not, he mentioned a few games ago, not being able to get Sam Maximan and Fraser on the pitch at the same time. I mean, fair enough, it, it's happened a few times, but not with any kind of great you know, consistency. But based on yesterday's performance, again, the way that you've got Willard coming in, you've got Maximan and you've got um, Almiron, it's almost a case of, well, where would you fit Fraser into that? Because ultimately, I think if you're playing Maximan, for me, Almiron's he's a, he's a pick, he's just a pick full stop. You, you don't you don't drop you don't change him from that position, you don't drop him. He could be the focal point of this team as much as Maximan could. And Maximan coming in yesterday, I mean, wow, just he was just brilliant. I mean, you know, he, he set up, I think he set up two goals, didn't he? Um, and he's the, the fact that obviously I think he was up against Jack Stevens was he perhaps was he up against Jack yeah, Stevens? He was, yeah. who, who is who isn't you know he's a, he's a he's a mediocre centre half at best um, playing at right back, but it's just these um, what he gives from a kind of attacking intent means that he's he's always got to be in the team. You, you, you can almost think well you know what actually with, with with the fact that he doesn't give him much defensively it doesn't matter because he's so important going forward. And this ties into bringing Willikin. The fact that we've got Maximano doesn't necessarily do all the defensive work you, you would perhaps want. Willick being in with that kind of level of fitness and that level of movement almost negates for that. And it was just, it was just brilliant. It was just brilliant to see him. Um, somebody who, who is not only good with the ball at his feet and can skin players, but who panics, absolutely panics the opposition. So you're talking about Newcastle not having had a bid in for a player for a long time, where you, Sam Maximan in the summer may be one who, who attracts some interest. The only good thing about some maximum is he comes with a bit of a baggage. <laughs> so I think um, I think a few clubs would be wary of paying the sort of money it would take to get him out of Newcastle. I think he's got six years left on his contract, and he. So I think they'll get another season. Agree with you. The only way you can play Fraser to play. Uh, it's a really good point you made, then Norman, about Fraser and St. Maximum. That front four of Fraser, Almiron, St. Maximum, Wilson, which is what we all thought it was going to be in the summer, to have not been on the pitch at the same time together all season. Is 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 harsh, um, but you could play four two three one, couldn't you? So you could play with Willock as one of the two getting forward, and then you would literally sit with Hayden not moving beyond the halfway line and try and do it that way. Is and that that for me would be pretty exciting if if we could get those five 
uh, on the pitch together. Um, but yeah, they might get a bid for Almir on, of course. That's what, that's a possibility. I think he's only got three years left now on his contract, or will do in the summer. Um, but it's tough again. It would have to take huge money to, to get him out. I don't think anyone's got a huge money in Europe anymore. And I suspect Almiron would want to go. If he was going to leave, he'd probably go for Spain. I'd imagine or one of, can't see one of the top Premier League clubs buying him. Um, so yeah, it's um, we'll probably get another season out of me, out of Almiron as well. I would I would hope. Hope so too. Um, we'll start wrapping things up now because you've been on an hour, Luke. Mark, I'm going to put it to you first of all. I mean, a week's a long time in football. I, you know, I can't believe it's only last Sunday since we were sat here doing the post Everton podcast. The games come so th- or have been coming so thick and fast um, that you know you go back to what a week past Friday before Everton, and, and it just seemed inconceivable to me that Newcastle United would not only win two of the next three games, but put in the performances that they have done. And even though I was critical after the Crystal Palace games, I thought we were poor second half and the substitutions were dreadful, etc. You know, you, you can't now look back at that Palace game with, with a little bit more fondness because there is a clear new pattern and way of playing, which is, it wasn't just a fluke uh, against Everton. You know, Norman, you made the point post-Palace that Palace made you think, well, were Everton just bad? Um, whereas now, the fact that you, you were scored goals yesterday by pressing players, were scored goals yesterday um, by getting men into the box, something we haven't done all season. My question for you, Mark, I'm going a long way about saying it, my question for you, <laughs> do you feel confident for the rest of the season? Are you? And I know we've got two very tough games which might skew things results-wise a little bit, but do you, are, you, are you sat here now thinking a corner has been turned or, or are you very much worried about what I was alluding to earlier, that we've, we've turned corners before only only to end up going backwards. How do you feel, mate? Um, more confident, definitely. Um, I last before the Everton game, I was on an Everton podcast, and he basically asked us a question. I says, "We'll be relegated um, if nothing changes." But whether that was bringing in another coach, whether it was uh, bringing another manager, whether it was not backing Steve Bruce in the January window. Fortunately, a little bit of everything's happened. We've brought in a coach who is. You know, playing a part, shall we say? Shall we disagree on he's playing a part in the next step? We can all agree he's playing a part, yeah. 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 Uh, The the next chapter, um, you know, the the next couple of games are difficult, but, you know, Steve Bruce has managed Newcastle United victories against both Man United and Chelsea before. So never say never. Um, the, The interesting part for me, and I said this on the last podcast, is, you know, if we don't kick on, um, this time and go on a good run, then if we're back to, back to square one again and, you know, this new formation hasn't worked or, you know, we're starting to lose games um, with the change in style, then, again, it comes back to the management, it comes back to the coaches. Um, you know, I, we mentioned Craig Hope earlier. I, th- I thought he was brilliant on TalkSport the other week with, uh, with Simon Jordan. Simon Jordan was basically trying to turn around and say they're a shocking bunch of footballers. They're not. They're not at all. And you've got to understand, Steve Bruce has probably bought in about 10 of the, those players in the squad. So we've, we've got to look at this collectively. Everyone's got to take the praise, but they've also got to take the criticism as well. Um, but to answer your question, I've just done a long answer, but uh, I'm more confident for the rest of the season than I certainly was last week because, I, and I'll be totally honest, I stopped even celebrating goals because I just wasn't enjoying it. And we weren't scoring goals, let's be honest, before, uh, before the Everton game. But I'm starting to get that little bit of fire in my belly back again. Um, starting to really, really enjoy watching it. Um, and if if we are, I don't think we will finish top ten. I do think it will be a, um, a an overall um, decline of a season. But the fact that we're sneaking towards a relegation place as a week ago, I, 
the fact that we could end up stopping up by some distance now, you've got to take that as a positive, considering where we could have ended up. So, yes, I'm more conf confident, and we've just got to hope that we can still pick up these results. Consistency, that's what they've lacked. That's what's been the big yeah. thing. They've had these good results. They've never been consistent under Bruce, and after 19 months, that's what you want to see. So we've got to see... It's 19 months, isn't it? He keeps saying 18, but I'm sure it's 19 now. Um, yeah, we've got to see this maintained. To go back to what I said midway through it, we've got to see what this positive, these little green shoots that we're seeing, um, little snowdrops coming up through the grass, if I'm going to be poetic. You know, we've got we've got to see that. We've got to see that maintained now till May. And they might have the odd bad performance, and nobody minds a bad performance if they're in isolation, but we want to see runs of four good games back-to-back. -back. They might have a bad one, fine, but then we want to see another four good performances after that. So that's what we need to do, and that's what he's not been able to bring yet, is that consistency. So in many ways, it's actually quite an interesting end of the season. We can sit there and say there's not much to play for anymore, because I don't think they're going to go down, are they? Fulham have got a huge gap to close, and they've only won four games or something. I think they need to win another eight to stay up. So, yeah, we're, we're just, um, yeah, we, but we need to see, we need to see this progress. We need to see it maintained and we need to see that consistency. Excellent. Norman, last one for you. Do you do, would you agree with the lads there? I look, I think this season, we're not going to get relegated. I don't, I don't anticipate finishing above 14th. I think Steve Bruce's career in the Premier League has got, he's got like a 29% win record, which is more or less what he has at Newcastle. I don't anticipate that, I anticipate that changing too significantly. Um, but at the same time, it'll be enough to to keep up comfortably. So there you go, buzzing off that, I guess. But um, you're right. What Mark, what Mark said was um, was right. The, the last few games have been more exciting to watch. And the reality is, we do have individual players who can who can make you happy when you're watching the club. So all all I I'll see I said this after Everton, and I'll say it again. For me, Newcastle United in its current state is something that I look at one game at a time. I'll, I'll sit doing watch the match and I might enjoy it. If I enjoy it, I'll appreciate it for that specific moment that it is. Because in terms of thinking long term or where the club will be six months doing the line, you know what? Who knows, man? Who knows with this club? Who knows indeed. Right. That'll do for this week. Thank you so much, Luke. To no, enjoyed it. Appreciate eat it. Eated at the exchange between me and Mark at the start. That'll get the numbers flying in. It's 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 Luke. The end of the day, mate. It had to it had to be said, and we will draw a line under it. We will move on, mate. Happy days. You know yes, like? no problem. You know what it felt like. You know, if, um, you know when you're in a pub, Jeremy Kyle. You know, if you're in a pub, like in them, um, yeah, they were like a couple, and they start arguing, and you're like, what do I do? Like, do I go to the toilet? Do I do, do I go to the paint? And it's Stay like, oh no, and they're both, they're both my friends. I don't know what to do. That that's what it felt like. So good. Good. no, I enjoyed it. I like I like a little frank exchange of views. Good fun. <laughs> Champion, we'll look. It would be it would be good to get you on maybe at the end of the season. Um, um, well, don't, don't I do ten game blocks? Isn't that isn't, you, that, you, isn't you, that the unofficial you, deal I've signed with True Fame? It's the unofficial deal, and you're lucky because you should have been on post Leeds. Because I know, that was but I, I've got, I've, I've, you've got to understand there's family considerations in my life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me, me do me me not actually having a Sunday off and doing a podcast was not going to go. Down. Well, I didn't have a Sunday off. I did the West Ham game. Wasn't it? That's right. Nice one. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for those who are watching on YouTube. We'll be back. What after uh, after the next glorious chapter of this story against Chelsea? Cheers. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.